0: I'll start introductions, uh, myself, Alex Martin, and then to my left, Andrew Rain, then my buddy from college, Claude Young, and then following him. Chris Burt, uh, Claude has joined us today, you're typically here, and just Chris, Andrew, myself, but we're going to cover some recent hunts Claude's done, and kind of get uh, his outdoor stories. so uh, starting off, you went on an elk hunt just like last,
1: two weeks ago. About two weeks ago, yeah. yeah. Idaho,
0: North, I- well you were hunting North Idaho last year.
1: Last two years I, I hunted been- North Idaho, yeah, Unit 1 up here, and like you said you hunted did you just uh, some elk hunting around here, right? And you Yeah, some? we hunted
0: just along the border, basically. Yeah. Mount Spokane area, and then mm-hmm. down Micah Peak, and it was pretty...
1: Oh, okay. So, kind of the same area. I'm, I was over by Priest Lake, so kind of just right on the border over there. So, that's where I did two seasons, yeah, and I think... Uh, holy smokes, man. Hunted hard. You can be prepared and uh, all that, but it just didn't pan out for two years. So, we went down to southeast Idaho, unit 21A, down by Salmon, and... Have some acquaintances from work, and it turned out to be a pretty successful trip, usually at the end of the time, you know, end of the week, so.
0: So you went down there with, with three guys?
1: Three but yeah, my father-in-law um, and uh, a co-worker of mine. Uh, so Eric's my father-in-law, and then my, my co- co-worker, Jay Spreaker, town town. Gotcha. Yeah, it was sweet. And the, the reason why I kind of knew,
0: I don't know how I knew you were doing this, but maybe it was because you... You ordered a battery for your GPS, Oh. <laughs> and then he's like, "Hey, what's your parents' address? My parents live close to where they were hunting." Yeah, and he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna next day air this thing or ship this to your parents' house and come pick it up next week." Uh, I, I happen to be driving through, so I said, "I'll just drop it off with them, and you can come pick it up later." So I, I knew he he was going hunting, and I'm like, "Hey, if I do this, you got to come on the podcast." Yeah, so that's how I got him on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy. I was just like, "Yeah, sure, sounds good." I really needed the GPS battery. So, you ordered the gps online it came to north idaho i picked it up it went to bozeman and then from bozeman it went back to the valley from the valley you went and picked it up and it went back into idaho back Idaho. and then the next day when you started (laughs) hunting
1: yeah so i picked it up on a sunday and after all that work communicating back and forth with you battery worked which was cool plugged in you know and, and it works um and then the next day after our morning hunt, we did this sweet hike and didn't see anything, but we heard some stuff and we could smell them. they were in the area, but um, we kind of broke for our afternoon before we're going on our evening hunt. And I, we, we, so have you been to Lost Trail ski area up yeah. there? Yeah. So we're, yeah. that's kind of where our, our base point was. We parked our trailer there. We had quads well, going You guys are right you know, there like, at a Lodge? Yeah. yeah right, so like right in the main parking lot. Cause yeah, it's I all national up, land. I grew up skiing that. Oh, did you really? It's an awesome-looking mountain, for sure. I think we're going to go down this winter. But anyway, so we were there, and uh, we're all talking and stuff, What we're going to do this for the evening hunt. Where are you going to go? Who's going to go do this? And we're kind of all over the place. So I had one buddy have to jump in his truck and go up to the uh, Great Divide Trail to grab his his truck, because we parked up there and hiked down to the main road, 93 there. And somewhere between me jumping, uh, standing there and jumping into the mix of that truck to go up there to help him get his truck, my GPS falls out of my pocket. And so I get up there I'm about to go hike into this place and I look, I got everything but my GPS. So it's not in the truck that I drove up there. So we go back to the, uh, the, the ski area parking lot and it's, it's laying there on the ground. Like a car ran over it, oh, pretty much squashed it. Yeah. Out. I cracked it and everything. So I'm just like, Oh my God.
0: Gosh. So after this whole deal of getting this battery to it, yeah. didn't oh.
1: get to use it. Got, I got to use it for one Turned morning hunt. Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of GPS did you get? It's, uh, it's uh, Garmin 750, Rhino 755T. Oh, yeah, they're pretty right. sweet. Nice. Super sweet. I mean, I think they're even actually thinking about... um. It was super sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was super <laughs> sweet before <Garmin> it got ran over. So that was how that went down. That was... That was a bummer. I didn't tell my wife till I got home, and she was like, what? You're hunting last yeah. six, seven days with no GPS. I was like, oh, well, you know. The
2: but the
0: out, outcome of the hunt, it, it made up for well, and the, that's, the GPS. Yeah, so you, you, know. you got down there, and you, you scouted for a couple of days prior to the season starting, right, right? Right,
1: Yeah, so we uh, season started Monday. Um, we get down there Friday afternoon, set up camp saturday we go up and we um we drive around there's three different pickups or guys that are down there that we know through actually um bob goodsell he lives in hamilton your parents might know him but um he's our kind of our acquaintance through down there he's a heavy duty rep guy for napa but anyway so he's out in the truck i'm out uh with my father-in-law and one of uh, bob's sons and then there's jay in his truck with some another guy we know down there and so we all went in different different directions and scouted for the day. At the end of the day, we saw um, my bull, the one that I shot Tuesday, second day, um, two spikes and a handful of cows. I don't know, maybe a dozen cows. So that's just just so our truck. You saw a lot a lot more animals, we saw a lot of animals the first couple days um, Saturday. So we were feeling pretty good about that. And actually, where we fa- saw that bull the first day was on the front side of that ski hill. You know, like the chair one going up there, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of to the right. There's like that rock cliff area, and it's kind of right below yeah. that, right in the front side of the. So that's,
0: uh, you got North Face. No, know. Is it? I don't know what the names are anymore. Yeah,
1: I couldn't tell the you. Cheese
0: wedge is the cliff. There's like a name called Cheese Wedge, and there's Powder Bowl back in there. But that's mm-hmm. used to jump off those cliffs right there. Looks
1: like some sweet places to go. I think we're gonna go down this winter. But you were
0: hunting right on the on the hill.
1: Well, we were just scouting, there's the road, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's this road that kind of goes up the back side and then you um, kind of go off, um, it's kind of like back, I think they might do like some cat skiing or something back there, but it's a road that goes off, and the left is Idaho, until the right is Montana, for, and it goes quite a ways. Good hunting back there. Because the chair one right at the, at the lodge
0: is Montana, and then chair two is in Idaho. Right, yeah. So you're, you're kind of hunting.
1: Right on the line. Right on the line that. Or we called it... Um, the gray area the whole time down there like oh if that bulls you know 30 feet on the gray area I'll just shoot it because you know it's a gray area but yeah no that was a line and it was pretty cool well, those because gps
0: lines are infinitely small yeah <laughs> that's why you give yourself as soon as feet, you get it on its maps you're like ah i can't go
1: anywhere I mean... <laughs> yeah. so yeah that's how that went down and then day two came around and uh, i was like um okay um the first day was didn't go as well and and uh, you know, we didn't I did this hike on the other side of the highway. it was about I s I don't know, four or five hour hike. Went in off the Great Divide, hiked down all the way down to the ninety three there, and really slow through the woods and, and this guy that I was with said they usually do pretty good out of there every year, but ended up we didn't even see anything we of some. But so anyways, day two we go up to the back side of the ski area, Idaho side park the quads and me and jay get out and we walk around we say i'm gonna go down this canyon it was the one kind of further away from the ski resort and he went to the one closer to the ski resort um in hopes that we see that elk that we saw was a saturday or sunday before season and so we get up there and we do our loops and we do about gone about three four hours doing our thing i did a big loop and looked all around saw some fresh sign of course he saw some fresh sign and then we kind of meet up and we're like all right so let's uh Maybe head over towards where we think Eric might be because I think he's over on the quad over on the side of the hill over here. So we just start busting through this little tree patch and uh, we go from like one park. You know, they call it like parks down there, like the opening, open areas, right? Mm-hmm. So we bust through one of those, go through some timber and we come out to the spot where I can see across this hill and it's clear as on park area too. And this bull is sitting there staring right at me. He can't, I don't think he can see, see me, but he can hear me going through there because mm-hmm. we're in about Maybe eight inches of snow or so. So I I, I first see this thing, and the first thing I I, I I like the connection I make in my mind is that's that bull we saw Saturday night. It was the first thing I, saw, I thought, and the second thing I did is I looked back at Jay and I signaled to him that I'm gonna shoot. So I took my pack off, got my gun, and I leaned up against a tree, and I was breathing really freaking hard, man. Like out because we were going we hiking high. and stuff, and you know adrenaline so i shoot and he does this weird like jump up little thing kind of jumps up onto the and then just runs starts running downhill as fast as he can so i have enough time to get another shell in and shoot again not sure if i got him i think i just hit the ground on that one but after that happens i said i yell at jay i said hey you go high and circle around and look for tracks and snow and i'm going to down to where he ran so, I get down there and I'm looking around, and I, I, I didn't see any tracks for him or anything in the snow. So, I go up to where I shot him, which was in this clear park area. No snow up there. And so, I'm looking for blood and I'm looking around. There's a little speck of blood here, a little here, a little here. I'm like, oh, shit, this doesn't look too good. You know, there's not that much blood.
2: Yeah, I kind of made a good. Cut. Yeah, so. And,
1: like, my, <laughs> and adrenaline, man. I've never had so much adrenaline.
2: I've always ever. been told that when you, like, Mortally wound something, it goes downhill, though. I would have been happy just to know that. I don't know. See, and I would have been happy to have you
1: with me because I didn't know that. I, like, I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? So I get up there, and I find this little bit of blood, and then I kind of follow, and it goes into the snow, and I see it a little bit more, and there's a little bit more blood, a little bit more blood. And Anyway, so he did. He kind of went down downhill back towards where I was going at him, kind of coming towards him. He, I shoot him here. I'm here. He's coming down this way. So I come this way. What he does, he loops around, goes back up over where I shot him and straight downhill. And so um, I'm over there like a, you know, running around like a chicken with my head cut off, looking for blood. I find some, I get on it and I'm kind of tracking him for a while and he gets up and he's just going downhill. And so I'm like, all right, I'm on it. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. And I didn't have my GPS. So I yelled the Jay. I said, Jay. I'm going after the blood trail. Uh, Keep up with me. I'll cow call at you to keep you by me. And so we're going and I'm going for a while. And I actually found this one spot. The very first spot I came to, it looks like he jumped over this rock and kind of slipped. I thought maybe he was trying to bed down, but he slipped, actually like slipped and fell. And there's some pretty good blood there. So he's going and, and I'm just running through the snow. At this point, there's snow because we're in the timber and, uh, I'm just running around looking at his blood. I could Mm -hmm. see some blood here, here and there. And then, um, I ended up jumping him and he gets up and takes off running. And I'm still on adrenaline going, so I'm, like, chasing after him at this point. And um, blood's getting better and better and better and better. And then I I kind of get – he's out of my sight for a while, and then I'm chasing after him. Get off his blood trail for a little bit, then I get back on it, and then I jump him again. He's laying down again. Gets up, runs another quarter mile. and I'm like, all right. When I jumped him that second time, I actually, like – tighten my backpack up and i'm like all right i'm gonna get you so i take off running like through the woods like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna get you because i've already seen you bed down twice so i get to him again and he, he's laid down again because each time i bump him he's going i don't know a quarter mile maybe a, a half a mile at the most and then he bumps i get him again and bump him again and he takes off running through this woods and i sit there and at this point about an hour and 15 minutes have gone by since the time I shot him. Shot 12:24, so I'm sitting there. That last time I bump him, and he's he's I don't know, maybe a quarter mile away, and and I sit there and I'm like, okay, I see his blood here, and I know he's right over there. And I was so tired at that point, and like adrenaline's going through me. My adrenaline finally wore off. I'm able to use some logic, you know, in my decision making. Um, process. And so I sit there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm eat my sandwich. He's really tired. You know, I lost Jay to cow calling probably 30, 40 minutes ago because I was running and I was cow calling trying to keep him by me, but we got separated. He went downhill. And so I sit there and I take my pack off and I just looking at his blood trail and eat my sandwich. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to give him an hour. So I eat my sandwich really slow take, you know, some trail mix and some water and then I look at my clock, it's like fifteen minutes have gone by. So I was like um. That's going. <laughs> <laughs> I was like well no, I I'm lucky. I'm glad I didn't, but I, I said, All right, well I'm I, I'm gonna hike out. I'm no there's no way I can wait for that long, like an hour. So I'm gonna hike out of here, go find somebody and then I'll come back in. So I hiked all the way back out, got up to one of the ski roads and then walked the to the front side down to the parking lot. And as right as I was getting in the parking lot, um, my uh, buddy of mine, Travis, Bob's son, youngest son, comes in and he's like What's going on? My dad just called me. He said Claude shot an elk, and that's all he knows. And so I came to check it out. And he's like, "It's like, yeah, well, I shot this bull, and I jumped him a couple of times. Pretty good blood, you know. It got, it got better." Um, and I was like, "I don't know. I don't know if he's up there, or I don't know where he is. He's, he's up there. I was on his blood trail. I marked it and everything. I put it on my Onyx map, which is awesome, by the way, man. It was first year u- using Onyx, and you know, I've never used it in my life, but um, it was, it was awesome. But anyway, so I mark it, and we go back up the hill." Um, and not 200 yards from where I last, where I sat and ate my sandwich, we catch up to him and we catch up to him. And this is about, I I shot him the the final time at 310. So I shot him the first time at 1224, 310 was the last time I shot. him. So we catch back up to him about 200 yards from where I was in eating my sandwich. He tries to stand up and he gets up and he just falls right back down. And then so I went over and but, yeah, it was awesome, and I was just, like, overwhelmed with, like, emotions because it was, like, a huge deal for me. I well, i been just, like, black physically exhausted. And oh, well, physically exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, all the scenarios that were going through my mind, those three hours or whatever it was, before I, by the time I shot him until I caught up to him. And, I mean, I grew up hunting Sidgit Blacktail my whole life, and those things are, like, a, you know, like a baby cow, like, small, like mm-hmm. a fawn. Like you can pick them up. You can pick them <laughs> up, pretty much. Every one we pack out whole. We never really bone them out or anything because they're so small. <laughs> but so that's how that went it was pretty sweet and so that was day two and you know we all it, of course it took about a day the whole next day to get him out of where he was at which wasn't too bad of a it was we were only about um 12 about 1200 yards away from the the quads we parked the quads downhill and we hiked in from the top came down five of us packed him in or went packed in cut him up and packed him out so
0: so you got to pack him downhill the yeah
1: it was all downhill so that made it nice yeah
2: that's cool how big was
1: he? Yeah, how big, uh... 6 by 6 and I think they say, think he was about 700 pounds. Yeah, I a picture. You want to see a picture? Yeah.
2: yeah, I want to see a picture. Oh, holy
1: crap. Yeah. He's sweet. I was I was going to shoot the first spike I saw. Yep. And so, then I saw this guy. So,
2: did it, was everybody helping you pack stuff out while you, uh, or... or
1: oh, nice. Uh, there's my buddy that went up and got him with me, but... Okay, so I forgot to tell you about where I shot him. Oh, yeah. Um... So he's a big bull. He's got a, yeah, big, he a big body. body. Um, so I ended up... St- I, I think I got him the first shot, and I think it was... It was it was low and back. It kind of got him right here, went through his bottom, and he blew his back leg out. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't able to use his back right leg. Guts were hanging out, and so every time we came to... I came to a tree, I noticed that there was more blood, like uh, puddles of blood. So he's trying to jump over these fallen trees, oh. ripping his guts up, and oh. blood going everywhere. Jeez. And so... Uh, it was kind of a shitty shot, but, I mean, it did yeah, the trick. Yeah, you got the job, man. So <clears> probably <throat>
0: pushing him was probably for the best.
1: That's yeah. what they said. They said, you know what, If he, he probably, because um, the there, blood man. wasn't much at the beginning, and I think he realized, he's like, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm getting chased. So he took off, and he started going, you know, and he did, you're right, he didn't go uphill one bit, except for the time when he went down, and I cut him off, and he went back up where I shot him. And then everything after that was downhill. So they're like, yeah, it's probably good you chase him because every time he was jumping over, the, and I found probably a half a dozen of these big piles mm-hmm. of blood, like big piles of blood. Like there would be almost nothing, almost nothing, and then all of a sudden by this tree, big pile of blood. And so they're like, yeah, if he didn't do that, he, he might have, you know, had enough, um, you know, energy or adrenaline to run a couple miles. We never would have found him. So
0: Or maybe he might have stopped bleeding and you yeah. wouldn't be able to track him still. But mm-hmm. yeah, it might have been a different story for sure. Um, so did you guys have any other success that that did? was it
1: we had um uh, we saw a bunch more cows and by like the third, fourth day, it was just they were so scattered, you know, we um the first couple of days here lots of gunshots and so I don't know, like the success of this elk. For me and my hunting group was like, it's crazy because we've been hunting up in Priest Lake the last two years. And that was just me the last two years with Jay and Eric. But Eric's been hunting up there for like six, seven years mm. and hasn't got one yet at, wow. at all up there. And he's putting in long days. He's putting in eight, nine days every season. So when we got this, we were just so stoked about it. and and uh, But we went out and we, we hunted hard for the rest of the trip and just didn't even have any opportunities to see anything. So how long Some
0: is counts. that season? And if, So I, I don't know Idaho seasons, but washing seasons are kind of short. Mm-hmm. The modern firearm is only like two weekends. It's two weekends. Yeah. Is that what I don't know? Same there. Season? Yeah. Same there, two right? weeks. Oh.
1: Yep. Yeah. It was, uh, so getting the
0: job done you have to take time off. Yeah. You gotta do some pre-scouting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was long time waiting. It was, it was awesome. And especially after, well, that GPS was part of it. I was like, I, I gotta get an elk now. I can't go home to my wife <laughs> Tell her I just broke up. Five hundred dollar GPS. Yeah, how much money to get your ass down in Idaho? And, yeah, um, taking the time off work and stuff, and so. But and another cool thing. And about you it, forgot the crock pot. And the crock pot. That was like.
0: The crock pot. The crock pot was supposed to be where the battery was when I picked it up, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't there. She's going, "Where's the crock pot?" It was like.
1: <laughs> it was Jay that forgot the crock pot. And I'm like, so oh. His wife dropped it off at our old place that we just moved out of. That's where she know, and then we ended up being. Oh, were you at our old place? I uh, was at your old place. Okay, so place. she dropped it at our new place, and you were there, and and yeah, yeah. And okay. so
0: I was like, you know, uh, there's a lot of secondhand stories. They probably can pick one up for like ten bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's just a, a I, feel, I felt I felt bad. Point. I was
1: like, I'm so I was I'm like I'm I'm, not, I'm glad I like feel comfortable with you know at least it's a good buddy that I've known for many years and and well I was fine I wasn't in, in, it. in yeah. a hurry
0: I was heading to Bozeman which was kind of a long drive but. Bry wasn't going to be in Bozeman until a certain time. She was flying in. Uh-huh. So, like, I had plenty of time to kill. Sweet. Yeah. So I wasn't worried. Yeah, about
1: it me. turned out I brought a bunch of deer down that I got up in Alaska. And so our plans with that crock pot was to make, like, deer meat, deer meat stew, put it on early in the morning. Come slow all day, And then come back for dinner time. But we ended up um, making stew anyways out of mm-hmm. it. It turned out good. Yeah. Just yeah. on the pot. How's the elk taste? The elk is awesome, man. So yeah. good. I've never tasted anything like him. I, I've been eating a little bit of the last couple of years because I have some friends mm-hmm. that have been successful in archery season the last two years over there. And uh, so I have I usually come back from Alaska with, you know, a bunch of salmon and I trade. And so I've been eating elk the last couple of years, but there's nothing like eating your own elk. Your right? own, yeah. I've been yeah. eating, yeah. like, got that, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago and we've probably been eating elk, you know, three nights a week. At least maybe four nights, the last couple weeks. So oh, it's yeah. been awesome.
0: I've been eating venison like
1: crazy. What'd I you get got, it dear?
0: I got a doe <laughs> this year. Oh, nice! It was the last day of the early archer season. Uh huh. And our season doesn't start until December for late season. Yeah, December. No, so Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving morning, I think it opens. Oh well. Anyways, yeah. I'm sitting there, and it's the last day, and I saw some. I saw three nice bucks the night before, mm-hmm. and I'm going, ah, Do I hold out? and not shoot a doe right away tonight, or or do I just zip a doe and get it over with? And then this doe came on the scene. I'm like, I'm not sitting later this year. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's too cold to sit in the tree stand. It's cold in the tree stands. So I, I shot this doe. And then we had been talking about um, if you, like, spine a deer, and if you have to, like, go dispatch it, yeah. do you, it, you have to use, like, a, a pistol to do it. And it, it was, like, literally the night before we talked about this. And then she jumped the string and i spined her and she just like dropped like right and right in her tracks and then i went up and shot her again and and finished it off but it was all like if i I had to to shoot a deer like i wouldn't prefer a spine shot but that adrenaline of having to chase the animal and wonder if it's gonna go down was not there at all it was like i shot
1: it was like boom done i was like (laughs) oh that was nice sweet so when you say you had to go up and shoot it again, you shoot it again with your bow, or do you? Have yeah, to... I shot it. Oh, okay. that's what I was wondering. Yeah, because you said, you mentioned the pistol thing. I was like, oh. sorry, yeah, that, we... that's probably not legal, though, huh? That's, so, that I don't was my question.
0: I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Huh. But that was a that was a question we had, and it was just mm-hmm. ironic that the night and we actually recorded it on this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the next day, I shot this deer and had that exact situation. That's cool. And then it was just an easy drag down to the. You ever trail. heard
2: about the withers, the area of the withers for mm-hmm. a deer? It's like right. It's like right below the spine and right above the the lungs. and you get them like right there, they don't go down.
1: They won't die. No, they won't die. There's just no organs or no spinal. Uh Yeah, it's like a meaty area or something. Empty tank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't
2: know. I was wrong about it. uh,
0: The withers uh, don't (laughs) don't aim for the withers. No, no.
2: no.
0: Remember that. No
2: fly zone.
1: No fly. zone, yeah. So, and so we we actually saw a big muley down there too, and we we're trying to close in on that, but it got wind of us. Oh, so you could do a shop? Yeah, you can do. Yeah, you can oh, do. Um, awesome. actually, deer opened the uh, no, October tenth down there for all Idaho. October tenth, muley bucks. Um, in that zone, and then um, up here, it's it's uh, what is it? November first for muley up here. But November 10th for whitetail bucks up here. Oh. Whitetail, either sex up here.
0: So I used to hunt the West Fork. You guys were you guys were just past the East Fork of the Bitterroot range. Mm-hmm. And I would hunt the West Fork. And, and it, it also borders, you know, Idaho runs right behind it. And we would notice, like, early archery, we'd see a lot of big mule deer. Mm-hmm. And then um, as soon as, like, rifle came around, they all migrated into Idaho.
1: Yeah,
0: It seemed like that's what they were doing. So I I, you know, I believe there's big there's big mule deer all over that. They area. say the guys
1: that we were with that grew up down there, they're around our age. Um, some of the like biggest mule deer come out of that that uh, just where you're talking about over. They cross between the Idaho and the Montana border there, mm-hmm. but um, it's like a special tag for both Montana side and the, isn't it? And the yeah, whole, there's one called two seventy. Yeah,
0: that's Australia. what it is. Yeah, and it's like that's like the primo tag. Yeah we had a kid move into the Bitterroot from Missouri sophomore year high school, went out, didn't know, like, first year hunting in Montana, didn't know anything and drew this tag and went up and shot just like a little forky. Oh no. Thinking it was like, <laughs> and then we all, all of our, all of his buddies found out that he got this 270 <laughs> tag. And we're going,
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, what'd you <laughs> shoot? And he's like, shows us this picture. And it's just like this little forky. i <laughs> like, Oh, that'd be me though, man. I'm just a meat hunter, right? I want to get as yeah. so much meat. Would you have spent. had
2: enough room in your freezer if you would have got that big mule deer?
1: Probably not. Well, that was like on <laughs> Saturday too. And we had to borrow some totes from those guys down there because we under underpacked on our totes. But, um, so getting it back, it was like, well, I, I also take a lot of meat too. I take, took the ribs and the bones because I like to make bone broth out of the bones. Mm-hmm. I've never done it with elk, but I like, I've always done that with my deer. So we were already like way over capacity of what we can handle i mean we, we made it work because we were able to borrow some yeah. some uh you know some uh, coolers big coolers from those guys down there but yeah we probably wouldn't have had much room if we got that meal there because <laughs> it's a big one he was probably four by four yeah. easily yeah. the, the guys been the
0: roman jealous of your truck going through like the no kidding game check yeah <laughs> no kid. yeah
2: so, i've never been able to go through a game check and like Flip open my truck, and be like, "Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Enjoy." No, the best Feast is when you have eyes. the horn
0: sticking out that you yeah. can't hide it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like there's no, there's no reveal. It's just, it's coming. Like I, you uh, see it.
2: Like, what is that guy got? I drive by there with my ducks in the back of the truck. Drive by. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Was that last time you kind of said that you're not gonna do any big game, honey? You're, you're a bird guy. Yeah, I think so. He's, yeah. he's he, he
2: reads tired. <laughs> he's hung him up. I'll yeah. still shoot my rifle, but I don't think I'm gonna go out very much. Really, just uh, in the birds. Now. I'm gonna commit yeah. to the bird.
0: Mid morning or early afternoon
1: <laughs> hunts. <laughs> yeah. Drinking coffee. It's
2: a gentleman's sport. Gentleman's sport. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my uncle said. Yeah.
1: <laughs> have you guys been getting some ducks lately? I know you talk about like uh, one I, of the podcasts you're talking. You guys were talking about. I don't it. even. He's been
2: rough lately. I haven't even bought my it's Washington rough. license for yeah. duck hunting. I haven't gone out. I, I've been much more successful with goose this year than ducks. Nice. I saw some birds flying today. Mm-hmm. Geese, no ducks, but geese.
1: Really? Yeah, no, no, we're no, no, no. those
2: cold snaps. So I think yeah. when
0: all oh, the yeah. locals have moved out this last couple weeks. And yeah, I've
1: seen them. They've been heading south. huh? The northerns mm-hmm. are coming in. So yeah, that would be good. What does that? What does geese taste like? I've never had it.
2: It's, it's good, man. It's uh. Oh. I don't know
1: it's I actually I think I have had it once it was a pepperoni steak thing but it, I mean you can't really yeah. Use yeah much of it it's
2: it's not as um doesn't have that as much irony taste mm-hmm. as uh, as puddle ducks um it's it's a little more beefy uh-huh. so you can I I would treat it more like beef and I you know, would uh oh know. really I like
0: cook it like a pork chop
2: yeah ah and
0: cut it thin and well then...
2: you don't have to cook it as much as pork chop you can leave it pretty rare right right, right. but i bread it and then
0: yeah just uh-huh. pan I'd yeah.
2: think it's much better tasting And it's way cooler to, like, bring out four big geese rather than seven ducks, I think. But I like ducks. Yeah. Just this year, the geese have been coming in and the ducks have not. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I kind of focused my time on big game this year. So far. We'll probably shoot some ducks here. Yeah, a, lot,
2: a long week. season with ducks, which is one of the reasons why it's fun to hunt around here. It's, you know,
0: it's a long season. The pressure's not on. You don't have yeah, to go kill yourself. To like try two to get and, done. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, if it's not happening, you just wait till next weekend.
1: <laughs> That's nice. Times it's nice to have some time and mm. be patient with it, and not have to rush. Yeah, but we were, sure. you were kind of
0: talking about some things you did with the elk, and then you were talking some recipes with duck, and then you you gave me a jar of canned salmon. Oh, how was that? We busted that open. That was
1: fantastic. You guys ate it there? Yeah.
0: So we were all curious on how you did it. He was saying... How did you smoke you it? Smoked it and you smoked it and you put the fillet down skin up. Did
1: you do That's that? That's close. What did, oh. How did you say? I didn't oh, say yeah, that, that was my know. guess because the way the skin looked. I thought you had to. I was skin drinking that night, <laughs> 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 Don't recall. Probably had some sort of answer. Don't here. waste <laughs> that on Andrew. Remember anyways. <laughs> no, so with those, those are sockeye salmon. Um, yeah. The way we get them is we go out and like two open skiffs, set a, a, a uh, you you watch for them to jump, and they're this particular run that came in um, like this is a sockeye salmon that's a kokanee, mm-hmm. like that's what they look like when they hit the river. But um, we get catch them in the ocean and we go out with these two skiffs and set a net around them when we see them jump, then pull a net in and purse them. So, it's one of those.
0: Well, you got a new boat, so all will yeah. finished that story about the sockeye, but yeah then you don't yeah, fish so sockeye in your boat or you no, no, no. Have...
1: So that, that's a different type of fishing, but so for this one, it's it's a people go out and just do it for subsistence to, to keep, not to sell. Mm-hmm. What I do on my boat is for selling, but um, so we went out, and we got this, we got like ninety sockeye one day between, and we split up between three of us. So I had like thirty three sockeye. I gave about eight or ten away, and then um, what you guys ate was a batch of about twenty. Two twenty-three 23 stock And So what you do is you, um, you fillet them out, take the backbones out and then you, um, you cut them in strips and, and brine them in salt water for like seven to nine minutes, bucket of salt water. And then you hang them up in the smokehouse and let them. So you're leaving the strips attached. Yeah. So like you you take the backbone all the way out. It's attached to the tail. Yeah. And then like you would have two fillets on each side, mm-hmm. but you cut them up as strips. Like, gotcha. you know, around of those strips that you guys were eating. Yeah. And then you brine it, and then you just hang it in the um, smokehouse for about an hour and a half. So if you were cutting the strips like this? No, I mean, no, no, no. no. Lengthwise. Well, lengthwise. Lengthwise. So you go and you take this, cut that off. You take this whole backbone out, and then you cut lengthwise strips. That's and that. then you hang it. Vertically? Up. Like in the smokehouse? Yep. yep. Just like this. Like if this was hanging in there, it would be hanging like that. And there would be strips down here. So, take it in there like that, and then this is super cool too, by the way. And so you do that. There's a store behind that. Yeah. And uh, and then you smoke it for about 18 hours. It's, so it's about a three-quarter smoke. It's about three-quarters done just with the smoke alone. And then when you do that after 18 hours, um, using cottonwood, a mix of cottonwood and alderwood, you take them down and you cut them to size. Put it, stuff them in that jar. We put um, a tablespoon of co- um, avocado oil that you get from Costco those big yeah. jars. And we put a tablespoon of that in there, and then hand tied and seal, and then uh, pressure cook them for three hours. Yeah, but you 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 don't you
0: don't fill it all the way up. You had some, you some air. Yeah,
1: well, we kind of messed up on that. We we uh, we cut them a little too small and put them in. We we probably could have, you know, went another because they shrink down when you cook them, and so. The thing about that one is I grew up doing canning. We've always done cans, and you can't see through cans. And just recently we started switching to jars because you can't buy cans anymore. So with the cans, you would just stuff them in there as much as you can and get a lid on them, and then they're good to go. But with these jars, you don't want any sticking up over, like, getting caught on the rim of the jar. Or oh, else it won't seal it. right, and then they'll spoil. So it's kind of like the a... The sucker was sealed. Yeah. i tell you. I was like <laughs> I gave your parents some too but your mom says she doesn't eat it but your dad said he would eat it yeah
0: I think he took it up to work when and his boss likes that kind of stuff so I think they snarfed it
1: mm-hmm. it was good it's easy to do I thought about bringing some of that I should have mm-hmm
0: have to come back next time why do you cut (laughs) it in strips so you can kind of hang more yeah well just
1: smokes better a lot of some people will do full fillets too it just depends on the amount of smoke you want how
2: cold uh what's the temperature inside that smokehouse
1: you don't want it getting below 85 anywhere from 85 to 90 and you don't want it going over 100 either yeah 85 and 95 is a pretty Mm -hmm. good for that up for the amount i do about 18 hours smoke so um for that amount of time that's a pretty good time so it's
0: chilling for 18 hours yeah it's Mm -hmm. smoking for
1: 18 hours good. Is yeah, it like was. a
0: homemade smoker that you made? Or uh, yeah, well, it's uh,
1: it's uh actually my grandpa's uh smoker. He's it's probably 60 okay. years old. So,
0: to kind of, before we get into this topic, and, um, you're from
1: Heidelberg, right? Heidelberg, yep. And, that's And, it. and that's that? Prince, Prince of Wales Island. Prince of Wales Island. Oh, did you know your homework? Did you just do some... <laughs> no, I <laughs> actually remember that? remember that. I did I did look it up. <laughs> I remember oh, that. Oh, I'm like, um,
0: I remember that. And then, um, you, know, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. That's where
1: so, you're from. so, yeah, Heidelberg, Alaska. It's a small little town. It's the most southern town on Prince of Wales Island. So, um, if if you look at it on a map, it's the closest town to British Columbia in Alaska. You can't go more further south in Alaska than you can in my hometown. Right. So, it's, we're about 17 miles from the border there. And, uh, yeah, small little town. It's like 300. How many generations old. are you fishermen?
0: Well, generations like your, you said your grandpa. Uh-huh. Was, is he was he from there?
1: Yeah, he's from there. Yep.
0: And then your dad. My well, my mom's mom my is, mom's from
1: there. My dad's from Georgia. My grandpa's from there. And my grandpa moved there in 1910. The town was established in 19. No, he sorry, he moved there in 19, um, uh, seven, And This town was actually established in 1910.
0: And this is the same smokehouse he's been using for some for time. His,
1: pretty much his whole life. Yeah, oh, I yeah. have to do so. The
0: smokehouse not just like a. Well, I figure if you put that many salmon, it's not one you could buy. Right? Yeah, no, it's so not a, like a it's that flavor in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seasoned. I, was, I learned from
1: the best, too, through yeah. him. So it was, you know, you, yeah. it's kind of a pretty sweet setup, honestly. Yeah, and yeah. you were really like
0: close with your grandpa. Or yeah.
1: Right? We're really yep. close. Is Absolutely. he still around? No, he died in uh, 2011, 100 just six months short of 101 years old. Yeah, because yeah. I remember you used yeah. to call
0: him all the time. Yeah. We'd be yeah. out, it was, Claude and I went to school together we'd be out with buddies or whatever we were doing and he'd get a call or he'd call yeah. and it was well, quite a bit
1: yeah probably every day every other day I yeah. felt bad when I'd go a day or two without talking to him because yeah. he looked forward to it as much as I did you know mm-hmm. more than I did yeah. probably so yeah he was uh, learned a lot from him. that's how I learned mm-hmm. how to do that fish and uh, and really the whole way I approach any sort of hunting or fishing, um, ethics, morals, whatever you want to call it is I've learned through him. He grew up on the land. He grew up doing it, having the utmost respect for, you know, the animal, the land, the process of going through it, you know, um, who you are when you start compared to who you are when you end a hunt and all that stuff. So all that's taken into consideration whenever I do any sort of outdoor activities like hunting or fishing. And so you cut your teeth in
0: Southeast Alaska, Heidelberg, just running around fishing yeah. and do you do a lot of hunting when you were younger or that didn't come. It, it like start late it's, teenage
1: yeah early teenage i think it started when i, I think i got my first uh white tail spike fork and horn when i was 11 i to say still have it mounted back home yeah i was oh, you I, mounted it well euro mount it was oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, i'm like wow you went all <laughs> the way out <laughs> yeah no so that's yeah and it's pretty sweet, you know. I that is the coolest thing about this elk was we um we switched our lifestyle over from eating a lot of commercial stuff to trying to get harvest as much food as we can to eat and this elk couldn't have come at a better time too for us, so it's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you spend you've been
0: going back there almost every summer for a long time. There might have been a summer too where you didn't right. One right summer,
1: twenty fourteen. Right when you started having kids. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah. The summer I got married. It was the only summer I So how long do you just three months or? But two. This last summer was two and a half months. It varies sometimes. Well, this and this summer was a long one because I I just got this new boat back in uh, November. Actually, the middle of elk season last year, I bought this boat. Yeah, I went through. He he had you had a boat. Mm-hmm. You
2: know?
0: And then you sold it right before you got married. Right. Yeah. Yep. And usually when that happens, you ain't getting that boat back. So <laughs> yeah. I was very surprised when he's like, I got my new yeah. boat. I'm like, ah, oh, man, he's doing
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm a good woman. Yeah. Yeah. I always make the joke because I sold it the summer I got married. And actually, I I did go to Alaska that summer, but I only spent 10 days there. It was like early May. We got married in July. And then I, I spent the whole summer down here. Um, but I always joke and say like, yeah, I I sold my boat right before I got married and, and was like, Oh really? It's like, yeah, it's the only way my wife is going to marry me if I, if I sold my boat, but uh, it's not the case. She loves it just as much as I do. And we actually, this summer brought the kids out on it and yeah. spent a couple nights and yeah. did some crabbing and some fishing and, you know, some successful fishing. Yeah. Trips. I was kind
0: of jealous of, cause I follow you on Instagram and yeah. it's like, you have these like amazing pictures of you and your family doing stuff up there. It was like, mm-hmm. man, and not that there's not great stuff to do down here, but it's like... Yeah. Come up sometime, man. I think I'm,
1: all, yeah. I'm definitely going to take you up on that. I'm inviting people up there all the time. I don't know you that well. I'll take you up on it, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> show up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. These guys might not leave. My girlfriend yeah. said that I couldn't buy a boat until we got married. Or a truck. Oh, or a gun. <laughs> yep. or, what or, are or a gun. Or
0: groceries. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> No, that's cool it's you know I, a lot of the lifestyle I live uh, is very well supported by her and that's the main thing is you know it's it's when when you look at it it's a it's a pretty big investment overall um, as far as money uh, the biggest investment is your time kids are young and stuff and and so that's a big part of it and without her you know her support with it it really can't happen but you kind of grew up
0: around it mm-hmm. grew. Up- Doing it, and, and when, how old were you when you got your first boat of your own? Eighteen,
1: just graduated high school.
0: And you, but you, had you ever been on a boat commercial fishing before that?
1: Yeah, before, before I grew up been, on my dad's. My dad was yeah. a fisherman and my grandpa was a fisherman. So I was a third, third generation fisherman, um, as far as like a, you know, a job. So I guess I'm, it was a family business so for a while there. the boat
2: that you now have, that it's a commercial fishing boat. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. It's it a big boat. Oh, uh, 37 feet, yeah. hmm yeah, it has a sleeping cord. It's pretty sweet, actually. It's 37 feet, it has a Cat 3208, and a brand-new engine. The boat was built in, like, the 80s, mm. but the engine is a 2015 rebuilt out of the Coast Guard in uh, Florida. So it's it's actually a really nice you know setup as far as the engine and stuff. You, you texted me a picture this
0: summer. I believe it was... I'm pretty sure you texted to me. I don't know. It might have been on Instagram, but it was you on the back of your boat holding a big old oh, king. Oh, that
1: was just recently, like a month or so. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, uh-huh. Big old king. Yeah, I sent mm-hmm. that to you. And he had
0: long hair. I have my
1: hair down, yeah. yeah. Yep, I, I do that from time to time. That was, and the thing about that is it was a pretty, that was the biggest fish I caught on my boat this year, which is really uncommon for commercial fishing because the, the king salmon are are not um as size or quantity as they used to be not definitely not when i fished my last boat i fished my last boat for six years <laughs> but i guess about five and a half years because i didn't fish 2014 mm-hmm. but um used to catch a lot of big fish and this year that was the biggest one but i mean it was nice it was 22 pounds 23 pounds mm-hmm. but i've caught the biggest one i ever caught was 48 pounds and it was on my other boat which was a lot smaller set up and uh those are fun but you don't see them like that anymore at least i didn't this summer
2: so for like the business side of that how much how much do you have to catch like poundage wise a year to make you know it
1: to Uh, solve it yeah well the season starts july 1st and goes through the end of september so if you're usually um if you can catch um you know it's it's you fat when you factor in your time when you factor in the fuel you factor in, um, you know, the groceries and then um, hiring, uh, kids. Yes. I had a couple of kids, one kid from high school with me this last summer on my boat. It's really not a lot of money because you put a lot of time into it, but you can go out and you can do pretty good. I mean, you, you got to catch the poundage, but, um, they give you a good price on it. So, um, anything like right now, the market and the demand the last couple of years have just been crazy for a troll caught anything. So mm-hmm. I do silvers and King salmon.
0: So you're saying troll caught? Cause this is different. A lot. I think a lot of people, when they think of salmon fishing in Alaska, nets. it's like nets, nets huge yeah. nets,
1: yeah. So you're not. So, so that's what for your. Uh, is that a stress
2: level thing that they make it taste better? Well, think
1: about it. If you get a fish that's caught by a net, what's it gonna look like? Yeah. It's a you know, cool and net. they're all like scarred up. They're descaled. Up. They're you know, and they don't clean them. They just mm-hmm. put them into a slush tank, which is fine too. It keeps them chilled. But then they get belly burnt and stuff. So those are the fish that are getting sent off, jarred up, sent around the world. <laughs> You know, maybe they end up in dog food, some of them, like the pink pink salmon mm-hmm. does, and different stuff like that. So troll caught is the fish that you actually, you know, you'll see in the markets, the fish markets, um, mm-hmm. the menus on, you know, fancy restaurants and okay. stuff like that. So, um, nice. this is uh, overall a, a better looking fish, top a little higher quality. How long a line are you putting out? It, it depends, like, um, so the, what I'm doing is hand trolling, and hand trolling, you, um, and I'm going to upgrade to the power troll in this upcoming season. But anyways, hand trolling is, you have, like, these girdies in your hand cranking up, yeah. a lead ball, and every so often you have a hook, and that hook goes out, you know, or a leader snaps on, and that goes out on line to a hook. And you're just trolling around for 15 hours a day, dragging so, these so, spoons. It's like
0: you're having downriggers with right. a bunch of leads coming out the back. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah but you have out-
1: these big poles over your boat that get the line out away from your boat to mm. kind of help stabilize it too. So you're going out there, and you're just trolling, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, as far as like fishing operations in Alaska, it's kind of small, mm-hmm. um, because you get, you know, you got the, 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 sanders, commercial saners, power trollers, which is what my dad does, does and what I grew up doing. Um, um,
0: and, and I remember you talking about this, that power trolling versus hand trolling and hand trolling is not like, you're not like hand lining, but you're, you're
1: cranking up. You're with cranking the, it up by hand. Wheel, the, yeah. The, the, the power to get the lead up is your arm hmm. cranking, whereas power trolling, you have, Two more lines. You have two lines on each side of your boat. Four, so four leads you're dragging around on each side of your Mm -hmm. boat, and you're just flipping a hydraulic switch and it brings them up and down.
2: And that's that's a
0: different license too. It's yeah, that's
1: a whole different license. That's you have to have a lot more, you know, pay a lot more money to carry that card, that hand and permit card than you. Mm -hmm. I mean, power troll permit than I. uh, Hatchal.
0: I had a drift boat, big Rondo. And Big Ronda, Big Rhonda was her name. Yeah, and I'm sad I'm to say them, that though. I sold Big Ronda, but I sold the sold her to a guy that was um, commercial fishing in Alaska. And but he was he was glad to be out of it because where they were fishing, it was very combat style fishing. Oh yeah, they're like dropping the nets, and then he said that you just couldn't avoid fishing out of the ground, so It was a matter of time before you got dinged.
1: Really? He's it's like,
0: it's like, you either you either fish illegally or you go broke, and so it's like pretty soon. And he, what he's explaining is that those fish are coming through and they're on a uh, scent line, like they're mm-hmm. on one path, and as you catch that path, there's not a backup stream coming. You move out, and you move out, and pretty soon you're 12 feet, and you're 100 feet, then you're 100 yards, and you're a mile, and you're, you know, it's so like you just get worse and worse as yeah. the season goes on, and he said he finally got a, a, a fine for it. It was pretty big.
1: Oh, no. Um, drifting. But, he's probably drifting in, up in Bristol Bay.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. But he said it was just kind of... He, he wouldn't take the experience back but he said it was a little stressful like, yeah when I mean, am I, I going to get
1: caught do you remember Dylan uh, what was his name he didn't yeah. wrestle what was his name um, Dylan. he hunt, hunts a lot he's from Post Falls Dylan oh, uh, Schultz was he uh, I left in 2010 I think he was around the first maybe not a year or two after us but anyways he's from Post Falls and he's he's just getting into a drifting boat up there actually this last season was his first year up there oh, right. Yeah. So I think
0: for you, because you grew up doing it, your, your, your family did it and you had a boat that you you know you, you cut your teeth on and then you mm-hmm. had your own. It's, it's a lot easier to convince your wife
2: <laughs> to get
0: back into that venture where for someone like us, mm-hmm. well I mean we've dinked around mm-hmm. all the Columbia mm-hmm. and caught some fish, but it's like you're you're gonna go up to Alaska, you've never been. And you're gonna buy a boat which you've never operated, and mm-hmm. you're gonna go fish for salmon which you've never done besides playing on the Columbia River and yeah. trying to make money at it. While we're, yeah. we you're married to me, I, <laughs> I don't see the the cell is very tough. That's for sure. That's for really sure. I'm, I, you know, I'm
2: definitely.
1: definitely so that I'm fortunate. just saying that it, you're living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for <sure. laughs> <laughs> definitely fortunate to be able to. Be born into that type of situation mm-hmm. too, and raised in that situation. Yeah, it's cool. Well, and I came to a point too. I, I mean, I love selling off auto parts. It's when you know it's, it's it's cool the customer interaction and you know learning new things about the industry. But I think at the end of the day, it's just one of those things. You, how much time are you spending actually doing what you love in life? And so that that's kind of where where it led to with me. I I did it for six years after high school. Loved it. It got me through college. I paid my tuition. You know, my rent. All this stuff. A little bit too much money went towards beer at that time, but, <laughs> just you know, it, it yeah. made, I, I made it through with that, and then I sold it, and I was like, you know, I want to try something else for a couple of years. I want to try to put all my eggs in snap Napa basket thing, and so I did that, and um, finished up school, and, uh, and then I was just like, you know, I, I don't know, I got to get back to Alaska, I got to get back on the ocean. So
0: all this going on, and you were just doing the summer trips back and forth, back and forth. Yeah,
1: yep. I was going up and fishing on my dad's boat with him in the time that I didn't have my boat. And then
0: you you guys have made the decision to go back for a while now, right? What's that? Are you you just going back to Alaska? Yeah, that's
1: the plan. That's the plan, hopefully. A couple years or permanent? Yeah, it's going to be probably about a three-year type of thing. Um, I'm trying to get my hands on a piece of property up there to build a little um, you know, summer cabin type of thing. So um if that goes through we're trying to be up there by the summer, hopefully. Yeah, so and we'll see how that, that works because you know, nothing's set in stone yet, but that's what we're looking at for What's sure. What's your
2: boat do the rest of the you? year? Just sitting sitting it, in the right over
1: yeah, right next to my dad. Well no, uh this last summer I did do a lo- or this last winter um I did do a few months of about four or five months of dry dock, but um it's just sitting tied up more at the at the local dock there in Heidelberg. My dad has a boat on the same finger, so he goes down and runs it once a week or so. Gotcha. Keeps heat on it. It's nice to have
2: somebody. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's head. another
1: thing, too. You, you you know, a lot of these guys, especially that when you talk Bristol Bay, a lot of those guys are from out-of-state Washington, mm-hmm. a lot of Montana, a lot of Oregon, even California people up there with boats. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're, they don't have people to sit up there and wash their boats throughout the year, and they just got to get them pulled out, get them wrapped, get them winterized, and then come up the next season and take them out so so and
0: you kind of you kind of get that because you have family up there and is it is a big um, motivator to get back up there uh, more than just in the summers that you have some pretty strong ties yeah absolutely and, Yep. and you'll you'll be right next to your parents kind of up there yeah actually
1: you know? the property that I'm looking at to build a house is just right across the street from them cool. so um that house up there that I just uh, signed over to my brother I inherited from my grandpa Um, and then I signed it over to him and he's living there with his family. Um, I have another, uh, good friend of mine. Um, the good, the best man that for my wedding, Mm -hmm. the big, tall guy, he's moving back home here soon too. So there's kind of a little, you know, migration of, of a few of us kind of going back and,
0: uh, you know,
1: there's, I think, uh, the town really needs like some leadership too, honestly. So that's part of the motivation. So what does the town mostly
0: consist of? Like as far as population wise,
1: there's three. There's about three to three hundred fifty uh, of us, there's, and most most of them were mostly natives. You know, it's okay. like we're we're Haidas, migrated from. So say that again. You're. Kaigani Haida. Haida. Ka- half Ka- Kaigani Haida. My mom's Kaigani Haida. My dad's uh, a white white man from Northern Georgia or Southern Georgia, and so uh we migrated. How did he end up there? From... That's a. Funny that, we, story, it's a long we, story. We'll have to get to that. Yeah, ways. ask me about that in a minute. But anyway, so 1799, my people crossed from uh, British Columbia up to Prince Wales there and uh, settled. Um, and so that's where we are. We've been there. Actually, in 1910, I was telling you, um, was when Heidelberg was a sta- or established. He became a town. Prior to that, from 1799 to that, we were spread out between th- four uh, different villages in southeast there. South the southeast part of the island there, and we consolidated and made Heidelberg back in nineteen ten. So we've been there for, awesome. you know, and are your brothers still there? Um, my so my one brother is is back there now. He's teaching a um a, a immersion Haida language class. He's one of our last fluent speakers. Um, yeah, you can so, get back and learn that. Yeah, and so he's teaching young kids now. He has like a preschool type of setting mm. where he's teaching these young kids how to teach uh, talk Haida. Not just everyday life type of Haida. Trying to make Haida uh, their first language is what he's trying to do. Yeah, That's well. really the only way to save a language is to make kids grow up speaking language. Yeah, and then they. Can I mean, adopt the other one. Yeah, and then they can hopefully influence other people. So he's back there doing that now, um, and uh, I have two other brothers that are living up in Anchorage, Alaska, okay. too. But they both everybody goes back in the summertime. All of my brothers we go back because they carve and. Uh, they carve for a living and usually have, you know, projects in Heidelberg they're working on year-round. Yeah.
0: Um, I was going to ask you about that. So they, they carve totem poles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so a totem is, a, like, just a character or a or a symbol that you guys used on your... I mean, yeah. cause, like you have a couple of tattoos. Is that considered, like, no. a
1: totem? No, that's just a design. That's a full moon desi- design there. Um, totem poles represent, like, most of them um, are stories like or, or they tell the story or they tell of an era so if you could read them which i'm not that good at reading them i, I need to brush up on it my old, old two older brothers three older brothers are, are way better than me but um usually they, they tell a story depending on what character we call him is on the pole whether it's a bear or a beaver or an eagle or a raven or a frog or a fog woman it or just depend on the, the
0: order which they come in
1: well the order and just kind of what's going on if there's a um like we have, for example, my brother TJ just finished this Wasco pole. And you guys know what a Wasco is? Mm-hmm. Wasco, we, I, which I don't think you would. I don't know why you would. But it's uh, Wasco is a Haida word for um, sea monster. So Wasco is a sea monster. And there's this pole they just finished where the sea monster has uh, whales in its uh, in its uh, mouth. A whale tail coming out of its mouth. And the male whale comes down and comes out of his, like, he's kind of by his leg area. And the sea monster is kind of. Probably like that. Not it's not very tall, about a ten foot pole. But the story behind that is this: um, the um, the Wasco story is of this uh, Wasco that would hunt killer whales in our area long ago. You know, myth or legend or whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, and every pole tells a different story. There's memorial poles. Some poles are for you know people past chiefs who have passed on. Um, some are. You know, celebration polls for something that had just happened, some milestone that we have just reached as a culture or as a peoples, and there's you know there's potlatch poles. Um, every time a chief throws a potlatch, they do another pole for him and honor him somehow. So what's a what's a potlatch? Potlatch is just like a big gathering, okay. kind of like a you would call it. They call them powwows down here, mm-hmm. up there they're potlatches. And potlatches you're usually. Um, so it's not a potluck for you rednecks. It's, yeah. a, it's a bigger potluck. deal. Potluck. <laughs> it's yeah. a bigger deal. It's That's a pot match. It. Yeah, I actually I just got back from a big one. This last weekend I was up in Alaska. Uh, I went up Friday night and came back Saturday. This past week and it was a pretty big one. The biggest one that I ever went on in Heidelberg, put it that way. Which was pretty sweet. So, so is that culture kind of growing? Though? It's getting bigger. It's yeah. getting well. I mean, we're we're rebounding from a pretty shitty era, right. that our. My parents, and my grandparents have witnessed and lived through where our culture was demonized and it was, you know, we were taught to forget it and, um, you know, don't worship it, worship something else, worship this other thing that we show you, this Bible or whatever it is. You know, we, we there was that era there for about, you know, a good hundred years and now we're starting to get, getting back to the point where we're realizing who we are you know we're taking more um cultural bounds and leaps to try to get back our
0: so yeah these outside cult- cultures come in trying to indoctrinate yeah right their exactly culture and say no we you, you need to change and you guys are finally coming back and,
1: and
2: getting back into the hideaway yeah so yeah. how did you know heidelberg like how did that happen? That's not a the name. name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know? I don't know. There's no,
1: I, I mean I there was a couple different names and I can't I can't remember the couple names that they were gonna um they they had it dwindled down to like three names they were gonna call it. And they just called it Heidelberg because uh once again we're in that era yeah. where uh so the other three four villages that were um consolidated to make Heidelberg was Kassan, uh, which meant the meaning for Kassan I, and I think is um, is the amount of um, the amount of river bed between ocean and lake so Kassan the amount of like you know the amount of river between the ocean and the bed and Kassan was right by a really big uh, a really big bay where Sakai went up and Sokai choose streams that are really close to the ocean so Kassan was was that's what Kassan was that's mm-hmm. what it meant Klinkwan was a Klinkit name, and clinkets are a different Native that are in the area. I'm not sure what it means. Halkan was another one, and then Saquan was another one, and they all have different meanings. But um, and then, so those were our pre-European um, contact village names, and then, and then uh, European, and it's mostly Russian um, contact happened. And we are driven out of those towns and into what we called Heidelberg. I'm not sure. They probably just call it Heidelberg because there's a bunch of Heidens coming together. <laughs> that's probably what it was. But, yeah. It's like an iceberg ice. Yeah, I, <laughs> iceberg. <laughs> yeah No,
2: berg is, I don't know what that means. Like, But it, that, it, it's something, like some white person said. It's got to something, because yeah. there's a lot of bergs.
1: There's, you know, there's... St. Petersburg? St. Saint Petersburg. Paul Arch is that's, like a... That's, that's,
2: that's, that's Russian. Mm-hmm.
1: Paul
0: Arch is like a powwow. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so are you guys, do you consider yourself like a tribe?
1: Yeah, okay. we're a tribe.
0: A tribe mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yep. It's still the same terminology. Uh, yep. Kargani, are our tribe. Um, potlatches. This potlatch, particular potlatch that I came from this last weekend, and we usually have them every, almost every summer. Rather, it's for a pole raising, for any sort of cultural event. Like, we do this culture camp every summer where we, a whole week full of different activities and, and learning about our culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. That happens every year. That's been going on for like 30 years or so. Um, and this particular one I just came from this last week was a clans, a meeting of the clans. Um, so since Heidelberg became Heidelberg, um, we haven't been, we've kind of had this identity crisis to where we didn't know which, like I knew what know which clan I came from. My grandma came from Kassan and we're part of the Yadas clan, but majority of Heidelbergs don't know, didn't know which clan they're from. So one of the main, um, one of the main, um, artists from our tribe who now lives in, um, British Columbia, Haida Gwai is what, what it's called, on one of the villages down there. He's a master carver, and he does designing and all this stuff, um, totem poles. He's the best at what my brothers do in their line of work, as far as hardened totem poles and canoes. He's the best there, probably the best to ever live doing it. So he came up this last weekend, and he gave away nine of these big 20 by 20 foot banners with designs of, of crests on it. So the banners are they're like a, a wooden carving. No, no, it's like this is like a, a sheet. Oh, okay. You know, um, okay. and the, he got it digitally printed. These big d- designs blown up and digitally printed on them, and he gave away nine of those to nine of the major uh, clans in Heidelberg. So that's what I was up there doing. And oh, cool. Went up to represent my clan and stuff. So,
2: I just googled what Berg meant, and it's an ancient or medieval fortress or walled town.
1: Or wild town. Walled. Walled. walled? Oh, yeah, walled. Yeah.
2: yeah. I had to look so it was like a sanctuary
1: you. yeah yep. it was huh. like your
0: guys' fortress huh where you went, where
1: you went to It's interesting well thanks for clearing that up for us <laughs> I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to go back and press for us to change our name I do I know that <laughs> jeez medieval town well I think it's just
0: a, well yeah I guess it would have been a very uh European
2: yeah
0: um, way of yeah
1: coming Navy, up with Navy a
0: name town um yeah <laughs> so your brothers they do anything on social media for like following their progress on these uh, carvings
1: yeah you want to look them up
0: well just just say it on here and We can. Look yeah uh, my
1: brother tj is uh, he's probably out of um the two my two brothers that are master carvers my brother tj who is about eight years older than me my brother joe's about 10 um tj's on instagram all the time Joe not as much. He's a little older. He doesn't pay much attention to it. But um TJ, I would I would think would be the most prestigious in his career path right now. He's actually trying to. um And my brother Joe would too, is too. Yeah, be careful here. You're talking about yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> TJ TJ has taken the proper steps in the last ten years to he, like he got an apprentice under Robert Davison, who is I was just telling you the the pioneer oh. of, of of the art. He took a three uh, three year um, apprenticeship under him. And he's always doing gigs. He's always planning gigs a year, year and a half in advance to what he's doing. My brother Joe is, is I think, and I'll, I'll say this to TJ all the time too, I think my brother Joe is, the, is probably a little bit better at what he's he does. He's got the eye for it. He's got the eye for it. He's a natural talent for it. But um, TJ is the one that's actually taking the moves, making the moves to actually do, get these big projects, get his name out there, do this. Joe's just doing, he does a lot of jewelry on the side and a lot of wood art, wood commissions, and totem poles on the side too, but he's not like promoting it or, you know, we're doing interviews doing or doing it for himself
0: a little bit. Yeah.
1: And just to get by, I mean, they're both artists. Uh, I think this day and age, any, especially that type of art, anybody that's trying to make a living off of art is a certain type of person. And, and they're definitely some unique individuals. Some of the, you know, some of the greatest guys I know for sure, but they're, they're, they understand their importance in the way in in their career path and what they have to do to preserve our art and our stories so
0: how many guys are out there
1: doing this this type of thing? from our town right now from Heidelberg I think there's my brother Joe my brother TJ and there's two guys two other older guys that, that have been full-time artists and That's really a pretty good
2: it. percentage though because it's a small yeah. town
1: though right Yeah like 3 400 people but when you look at our our cousins down in Heidelberg a lot of these, uh, and there's, on Haida Gwaii in British Columbia, there's Masset and Skidegate, and from each town, there's dozens of full-time artists making a living out of it. Yeah. So I always tell people that I think Skidegate and Masset are about anywhere from 20 to 30 years ahead of us, as far as, you know, that industry, that industry as far as exposure, as far as tourism, all that stuff, so. Oh, yeah. and I'm sorry, my brother TJ's uh, Instagram is at Squiance, is his higher name, S-G-W-Y- a-A-M-C-E, Squiance is his hiding name. And then my brother Joe is at Ginawan is his a name. Would you spell the, that one too? G-I-D-A-W-A-A-N, Gidawan. Awesome. And I don't have yeah. Instagram on my phone right now, so I'd show it to you, and so you can pull them up.
0: Well, I have to listen to this thing about four times anyway, so I'll oh, okay. be able to
1: find them. Yeah, mm-hmm. Squiance and Ginawan. And they probably Ginawan. follow
0: you or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I've t-
1: I, and you could look at mine too I've probably tagged them at some point yeah some sure. of mine they got they got some amazing art man and I hope I'm not speaking too soon on this but my brother TJ brought up a um, this summer being able to work on three dugout canoes with him so hopefully I'm able to do that That's he's cool. in the mix on doing something That's cool. getting that um, for our community back there for Heidelberg We're three i think one's gonna be ho- close to 40 feet and then a couple 20 footers so hopefully i can get on that payroll fish on the weekends do that during the week man that's a rough life plug. yeah it's <laughs> <Very> rough <laughs> when we're sitting
0: there drafting away staring at computer a- well you guys thing. work together or yeah. yeah all three of you no yeah. we met we all met through rugby uh, chris started working with me shortly after we mm-hmm. started playing and hasn't left yet so mm-hmm. um, and then we all have hunting in common. so that's yeah. kind of how this right blind cast Blindcast Northwest Blindcast
1: is what we're yep. calling this podcast. That's cool. Yeah, I I listened to about halfway through the one of the first or second one you did. Yeah. They've gotten better. You're sweet. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, cool. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? I love podcasts. Me this too. is like my main form of entertainment right now. So yeah. when he happened, when you asked me, I was like, Heck yeah, I'll do it. And I'd like to get on, you know, more in the future too. Yeah. No, I
0: definitely appreciate you, you making the time to drive out here and do this. I'm stoked that you got that elk this year. And it yeah. and, uh, seems like you, you're pretty excited to go home for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of work that needs to be done back there. And there's, you know, it's, I mean, you've got a purpose. You know, i got to find a little bit of my purpose in life, what I'm doing. Oh. The cool thing I was going to mention about uh, this elk, too, is my um, little guy uh, this past March got diagnosed with a general... Um, primary ger- generalized epilepsy. We spent a weekend at the children's hospital here in town. And, uh, so, um, he's on a keto diet. Have you heard of a keto diet? Yeah. My well, girlfriend just started it. Out. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Is she like yelling at you and pulling her hair out yet? or? No, oh, she, good. it seems
2: like she's just been eating a lot of butter.
1: <laughs> 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 nice. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fat. You have to eat a lot of fat. And so for his condition, um, his, his brain, um, fires off too much neutrons at once and when it does that his body goes into seizure mode and so he hasn't had one in about three months which is awesome since i was up in alaska last uh, fishing and because uh, we adopted this keto diet and um it basically high fats a lot of meat a lot of uh you know oils no sugar no carbs none of that so this elk was like a blessing yeah, for okay. us because I was like, I need to get, I actually told him that. That's kind of interesting blood. that you think
0: that the, the diet is a big factor in, in the frequency of his seizures. He hasn't had one in a while. And yeah, was like, was they, Were they pretty often right
1: away? Yeah. I mean, they got bad there uh, leading up to the weekend we spent at uh, Sacred Heart here. Um, and th- I think the worst part about it was we didn't know what, well, up until we spent the weekend here, we didn't know what it was there. happened for about a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um and he has these they're they're not they, they he had about maybe a half a dozen long seizures where he's actually compulsing for like maybe a minute long at the most was the longest. And he'd start to turn blue and stuff, just really scary stuff. But um a lot of his seizures were called these drop seizures where he'd just kind of be walking to an ordinary day life life, you know, day daily things and he'd just drop, fall down, hit the ground and wake back up and he didn't know what happened. And we didn't know what happened. A lot of times we didn't even see it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was just like you know, he's walking or he's sitting on a lap and all of a sudden he just goes, falls over and does so that. So it
0: wasn't like I these think. convulsing, like convulsing...
1: The, Well, he's probably had about a, maybe a half dozen of those long ones. No, I would, I take that back probably way more than that. A, little, a couple long ones from about a minute to a minute and a half, maybe a half dozen of those, but probably 20 or 30 of the comp, actually compulsing ones. Like some nights and we tracked it because some nights he would, and it, st- it started when we start giving him, we give him a little bit more carbs one day than we should have. And, um, Yeah, he would start having these drop seizures, and then in the night his compulsion ones would come. So whenever during the day we had a long day of, and this has happened every other every other day or every once a week or so, he'd have these drop seizures during the day. Then the night we're like, okay, we're getting ready for the night, and they have compulsion seizures throughout the night. So that's what it was, and then more frequently. Yeah, and the cool thing about like the cool thing that came about this elk was my little boy loves deer meat. he loves fish. He loves crab. He loves elk. He loves everything. and all. That's all free food. He eat all of it. So right. that was that's a big motivation for pushing up to Alaska too. Is I think we're probably gonna be on this diet for a good two or three more years because they say they grow out of it when they're like eight, eight to oh, ten wow. years old.
0: That's good. That's awesome.
1: So was it a recommendation
0: from the doctors to do this? Yeah, that? the
1: main neurologist, um, um, surgeon here in town. Recommended that you said the top three medications are first one's keto and then the two are some other drug I can't pronounce but we're like we're not medicating our kid you know we're not gonna take the 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 prescription yeah, if you drug can type. try a, a
2: natural way yeah
1: mm-hmm. so that happened in March and it took us a month or two to actually get the diet in lock because we were we weren't eating bad we don't we don't feed them you know all the garbage food uh, fast food anything like that but we did eat a lot of rice a lot of pasta. Of oatmeal, of cereal. Yeah. And so now it's completely different, but it's working out alright. That's good.
0: Well and he's doing he's doing probably better then.
1: Yeah. So that's we just had we just let's see the twenty sixth of October twenty fifth of October was a three month mark without having one. So Well, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good. Congratulations. Thanks. Well yeah. Chris
2: over here, she's gonna have it. Yep, little one here. Baby girl. No way, really? End of hey, January. congrats, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, End of We're getting as much hunting and fishing in with him yep. as
1: possible. Yeah. yeah. He's like, no, now. nothing's
0: going to change. We're trying to do as hard as possible. So. Oh, oh Claude yeah. here, he's like, testing me, Like, it doesn't have
2: to. It change. took you
1: two, three years it, out that, out. You're right. I was just going to say that. It's going to probably be about a year and a half just hanging out with the fam, with the kids, but it's all good. Yeah. Having a baby is awesome, man. Mm. It's really cool. That's the easy part. The hard part is raising them and, yeah. you know, managing well, them. Well, I mean, look at him.
0: He's looking better
2: than ever. He didn't have to do it. Pretty okay. good looking guy. And yeah. he, he his, his mustache, mustache is any of the, of the pregnancy it's ever been right I now. I don't go fishing. He will right. do really? it. Really? That's any not bad. Pregnancy? I mean, it's not
1: as good as. <laughs> I mean, he's always had. Yeah. So uh, I fair. just stopped shaving. Yeah. <laughs> it costs too much money to keep this his <laughs> dude a Dollar Shave Club. That's um, all I do, but I can't I grow facial hair.
2: I'm wasting my money still. $3 a month for I thing he's got to shave every couple of hours. I, I trim the
0: top <laughs> and then the- oh, I and back and away. that's it. <laughs> and then 10 minutes.
1: I used to love in college when we'd have um we had uh mustache and miniskirts theme party and you'd come over with the big ass mustache the chops coming down No, i never did that <laughs> uh, uh, you did well i don't know if you showed up to that party well, to did. Promote that party but no you used to have the, well, you used we're to gonna end chops. the podcast yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was after wrestling season for sure yeah, for but. sure nice well i remember the first
0: year like we didn't have to shave because we were uh redshirt red yeah so you yeah. never had to worry about it just probably was all like there's probably ringworm and all nasty sorts of stuff in there yeah a lot of stuff going on there that beard (laughs) that ear. yeah not good (laughs) but uh anyways we're over an hour so any before you sign off here any last thoughts for anyone any more questions
2: i want to go to alaska yeah (laughs) that's pretty much it i think someday i gotta make my way there my -hmm. brother worked there for years and years and uh doing a whitewater guiding he's always was always inviting me up and i was like eh, i can't do it i don't have the cash and now i'm like oh, i, should I can't do it have time. the time i gotta make it up there
1: do it man it seems do like a promised land
2: like yeah for the things i like to do it just seems like something i could
1: really enjoy yeah that's awesome someday you'll make it just keep on you know don't don't uh, just keep that curious mind about it. I guess that's yeah. the main thing. Like I I, 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 go back there every summer. I grew up there, but I'm still curious to show you know how, what kind of fish are over in this area, what kind of deer are up there, or what what's it like if I go over here. That's I think if you have that type of mindset, you're for one a pretty blessed person, but then you also um, have Alaska on your mind. You'll make it there someday. Come up and see us. He'll yeah. come up and see me. I know. We yeah, we could. You know, we, I convinced up. my bride
0: to. Um... We did our, our honeymoon cruise uh, to Alaska. Oh, what? That. You didn't tell me that? Yeah. Sweet. And um, it was really neat, but, you know, talking about this type of Alaska and, mm-hmm. and our ideas of what Alaska is, you see, you know, hunting shows and stuff, and it's like some of the most rugged country. And then you're on a cruise ship going into like the, I don't know, I guess you don't, wasn't the Men in a different glacier, but you're like right up to this like magnificent, glacier that's just rugged and you know there's probably hardly any man that's stepped foot on it and yeah. things like that and then you're sitting there on the back of a dang cruise ship drinking coffee and like, it's <laughs> cold out here it's <laughs> I mean, that's not quite the experience that i was yeah. wanting for my first alaska experience but for a honeymoon it was actually pretty cool yeah that's, what did you guys do where'd you go out of we went uh took off from seattle we spent four days traveling up to Skagway because mm-hmm. Skagway is the one that has the pass that goes into the mainland mm-hmm. and then we came down came down hit Juneau Ketchikan um Sitka like no we hit the, what's the British Columbia um
1: oh Prince Rupert. I mean I don't, I don't it's know a, it's a Victoria Victoria yeah. Victoria oh, okay. in
0: Victoria and uh then headed back So it was like a nine day
1: thing it was yeah it's cool yeah, that's uh, Ketchikan's our hub town, so that's where we fly into or yeah, ferry so up to.
0: It, that's the town. If I wasn't to spend any time up there, I think the buzz around Ketchikan's is really cool. So we when we went there, um, we actually went snorkeling there. What? Yeah, in the
1: ocean.
2: You know, they had that. Yeah, that's and did cool. um, you wear a wetsuit? Oh yeah, they, <laughs> <if> <laughs> you almost oh.
0: like wanted to get in the water. This wetsuit was so hot. They, they like five mil. Like they five pe- more. Oh yeah, they packed you into this uh, little shack. And so you're in there bumping naked butts next to the guy next to you trying to put this wetsuit on. And Just I like this re- college wrestling in the shower. Yeah, I, th- I put this wetsuit on, and I'm all zipped up, ready to go. And I failed to realize that not everyone was going to be as fast as I was putting my wetsuit on. So, like, the girls or some of the guys, it was like, I was in my wetsuit forever. And we like those are not meant to be standing out in, like, 70-degree weather, six I'm sweating and dying. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm like, I got to take this thing off. I know like, you can make it through. And then once you got in the water, it was fine. It off a little bit. Yeah.
1: Did you see some sweet stuff when you went?
0: Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, the clarity of water wasn't great. As soon yeah. as you went out over the edge where it got deep, you couldn't see anything. Yeah. But there was a lot of sea urchins and um, sea cucumbers and mm-hmm. starfish. and It was kind of cool. It was really cool, actually.
1: Sweet. That's cool. Yeah.
0: But it wasn't like snorkeling the Bahamas or anything. No,
1: Well, if you want to experience, man, come up and see me some summer. It's, you get pretty, you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's cool. We had some bears running around in town this last summer. It was an abnormally warm summer this last summer. I was up there for two and a half months and it rained, I think five, maybe six days out of those two and a half months. So it was really warm. We're swimming a lot, jumping off docks, you know, doing a lot of swimming, um, Fishing wasn't the best, but you know, you just, sometimes you'll have a couple of years like that and, uh, it was fun. we got some waterfalls. We jump up there. We, you know, the, the, the potlatches are fun. Those are always fun for out of towners. Good food. You'll be amazed with how much you can gather within, you know, a Mm -hmm. mile of your house as far as, um, you know, off the beach or out of the water. Yeah. That's cool. Everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's sweet. You guys are welcome anytime. Just to get a hold of me, that Chris. Score, score. Before you have your baby, January you said.
0: January, end
1: of January. Nice. Yeah. Do you real. have any
0: questions, Chris? Before we sign off, I don't, I don't think so. I'm pretty quiet over there. I oh, yeah. Just listen to. Yeah. well, Cloud, we would, like really appreciate you coming and doing this. Yeah, man. This, Thanks this is for our, having You're our third guest. We, we, well, actually no, fourth. I had Brian here, and then we had your dad and yeah. Taylor. But Sweet. this has probably been probably one of the best. It's been fun, man. Yeah, been dad. fun.
1: Have me back again sometime be happy to come back all right
0: so for the listeners if you are listening thank you for listening to another blind cast and we will catch you from another cast from the blind well i hope you enjoyed another episode of blind cast if you haven't already you can follow us on instagram at Blindcast one again that's Blindcast one on instagram thanks for listening and hope you tune in next time for another cast from the blind